0: Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder, ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines.
1: Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel podcast where you can't have a bad day wearing red shoes. I'm your host, Jeff Mains. I help B2B SaaS founders like you scale up and exit, creating premium valuation impact and the freedom of running your business instead of your business running you. It has been another crazy week in the tech world. SaaS and fintech darlings continue to downsize. According to Layoffs.FYI, a site created by Roger Lee, co-founder of digital 401k company Human Interest, fantastic company, by the way. According to Layoffs.FYI, so far in 2023 alone, 292 companies have laid off just over 88,000 people. PayPal, 2,000. NetApp, 960. Okta, 300. Workday, 525. HubSpot, 500. Splunk 325, Upstart 365. Those are all in the last week alone. Yesterday, Dell 6,650. Granted, they have 133,000 employees, but that is still significant. One month into the year, and we're over halfway to the number laid off in all of 2022. The numbers are staggering. And why is that? Is it a case of overhiring, change in priorities? Idiocy at the top? Something seems fundamentally wrong when a company cuts 25% of their workforce. If you've been listening long, you know that I think fundamentals matter. Creating a profitable SaaS model is important. Endlessly burning cash, growth at all costs, isn't sustainable. Even if it isn't your cash. I mean, how else would it end? Uh, but is it all bad news? Certainly for many of those 88,000 people, it can feel that way. You know, That may be the part that gets lost in these big numbers is that every one of those is a person, a family, an emotional scar that will last a while. The good news for startups, bootstrap founders, and SaaS companies that are, are maybe under 100 million is that talent is available that hasn't been in a while. Compensation expectations may still need to fall back to earth a little bit, but talent is accessible. This is a great time to add to your team if you have a profitable, sustainable business model, what I refer to as future-proof. The other silver lining is that we're seeing, and, and I think we'll continue to see, is new startups form, solving problems in new ways, and even solving problems that current solutions are creating. And I'm seeing some of those laid off starting new companies as well, which is pretty exciting. Despite some bad news, I still think that there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic. Giant bureaucratic companies move slow. The SaaS space changes incredibly fast. Whether it's talent acquisition, technical innovation, or new markets, agility will remain a key strategic advantage. Economic uncertainty and fuzzy forecast favor the fast, the scrappy, and disciplined. This is your time. This is your season. Remain lean, remain agile, and double down on service. Double down on sales. Sound crazy? I mean, sales in a down market? 100%. The opportunity is there to replace the expensive, the slow, the poor experience solutions. And there are a lot of them out there. Uncertainty creates opportunity. In January, I did a series of trainings about how B2B buying patterns change in an uncertain or down market and mapped out how to capture market share by positioning your company in what I call the yes box. Drop me a message if you'd like a copy of that. I'm happy to share But uncertainty creates opportunity. I'm telling you, this is your time. Today's episode is sponsored by Champion Leadership Group. Get free growth tools, including how to position your company in the yes box and map out a growth plan to scale your SaaS business to eight figures and beyond. Travel with fellow SaaS entrepreneurs on your growth journey using a proven methodology that is mentor guided, results focused, and peer supported. Celebrate your wins with other founders and get complete clarity on your right next step to achieve premium valuation, profitable growth, and freedom. Unleash your SaaS growth in collaboration with fellow SaaS founders at championleadership.com. In last week's episode, we talked with Jeremy Miner, founder of 7th Level, the fastest growing sales training company in the U.S. and also the creator of the NEPQ sales methodology. Jeremy shared his natural process that feels really good for both buyer and seller. If you want to increase your sales wins, and even if you don't think that sales is your thing, be sure and check out that episode. Our founder last week was Hugo Sanchez, founder and CEO of R Threat, a cybersecurity company that is revolutionizing the way SaaS founders think about and protect applications from threats we know and those we don't know about yet. Super helpful for us as SaaS founders so we can keep our data and client data safe and sleep well because we know that we and our clients are well protected. My guest this week is Martin Chacon, co-founder and CEO of PriceFX. Martin has over 25 years experience in software, sales, and enterprise business development. After seeing firsthand the frustration and expense Customers of first-generation pricing solutions experienced, he made it his mission to create a different kind of pricing company, one that would bring pricing to the people by being fast to implement, flexible to configure, and friendly to learn, use, and do business with. Under that vision, Marchin has led the growth of Price FX through more than 100 million in funding, solution delivery to hundreds of customers in more than 40 countries, and expansion to more than 400 employees worldwide. Welcome to SaaS Fuel, Marchin Chacon. Oh, well, hey Marchin, welcome to SaaS Fuel.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited.
1: Well, I'd love to talk about your company Price FX and, you know, you're taking on one of, I think, the most difficult pieces of, of you know, really any business is figuring out what is the right price for my product and how should I go to market. So tell me a little bit about your company.
0: Well, happy to do so. Yes, you're right. Price uh, is at front and center of successful business. You setting the wrong price strategy, you can break your business and setting the right price strategy, you can make it uh, win in our particular case we are focusing mainly on b2b uh, which is highly complex um area especially in regards to pricing and the reason the main reason for this complexity is because it's negotiated business right you cannot just define one price and publish it and hope that somebody is going to make a decision to buy or not you're publishing a price and you're publishing several price points that are coming together with the price which you know there can be so many discounts rebates bonuses you have several cost of service that you want to recover or not. And there is so many of those depending on, on which industry you are really working in. So you're advertising those and then you're getting into the negotiation. So you need, there is a high level of complexity. There is a lot of things to be discussed and decided upon. And spreadsheets just don't do the work well. And, uh, you know, I've been there, I've done this. I know how this business works. doesn't do it either. So uh, businesses end up, uh, you know, asking or needing a professional pricing software that can do it for them. Uh, Not only in terms of helping them analyzing their business and figuring out where they really have a need for improvement, but realizing this improvement, putting this together in terms of you know good optimization framework and then helping them executing their pricing strategy in the market and especially in those negotiations. So high level of complexity, a lot of value that can be created because our software delivers, you know, even if it's just a point percent of improvement on revenue goes straight into the margin and uh, massively improves or influences the balance sheet. So that's what price Affix is all about. We incorporated 11 years ago as the first cloud native pricing software solution. Before we came into the market, everything was on premise. Everything was on a term basis or on a perpetual basis. Not nobody was operating in the SaaS based on the SaaS business model. And everything was highly proprietary and and very black boxed. Um, nobody was really opening up the way how the software works and how it optimizes things. So we came in into this relatively stuck pricing software industry and we, and we just decided to disrupt. And uh, and that's exactly what we did. We created a very flexible software uh, that is operating as a platform. It allows everybody who is using it to configure whatever they need to do, we are not proprietary, we are not hiding anything. Very open architecture, highly performing. And on top of this, very friendly, fast in, in the way how we execute, and uh, and very respectful to our customers who we are very, very centric on. And I think all of those things made us, who we are right now, the, the fastest growing SaaS pricing software company in the world.
1: Yeah, pricing software made simple. And, and like I said, I think that's one of the most complex things And so you're really hitting something that is is much needed in the marketplace
0: i agree with you jeff and it's not only make it simple but also bring it to the people make it non-expensive non-elitary make it easy to adopt right let people understand how to operate how to work this understand how the software works so they can trust the results and they can then with confidence Defend the prices in the market, right? If you get something presented through this software that is black box and you don't understand how it works and it's really complicated, you're not going to defend this. You're going to say, "Oh, I got this from this piece of software," but let's talk business, right? Then you immediately move into your old old patterns, and that's that's where lack of adoption kills any ROI, any business case related to software implementation. We we declared war to lack of adoption, and uh, and we did everything possible to make it. Simple, easy to understand, agile in execution, relatively quick to implement, and especially very adaptable in the for the business lines.
1: So, what does that mean? Pricing to the people.
0: Pricing to the people means really what we want. we want to make this a very popular tool. We want to make it not just relate limited to companies that can't afford this, companies that understand the value of pricing because they have been very well educated by. Expensive consultants, you know, running the pricing excellence projects, um, you know, like Bain and company, McKinsey, you know, Boston consulting group. We want to make sure that people can adopt our software, even if they are not necessarily the top notch, uh, you know, top line large, you know, enterprise in the market. They have a need. They need a software. Then the software has to be quick to implement, inexpensive to run and maintain and has to deliver uh, results very, very quickly and that's what we mean with uh, bringing the pricing to the people make it available adoptable inexpensive and very valuable
1: so do you have a specific size of company that you know really benefits from this
0: any size of the business can profit theoretically from pricing software but there is definitely a size where it starts working really really well and producing high value and and great results typically you would say that somewhere in the range of 100 million of revenue dollars or euros it's the business that is, is you know complex and big enough that you know percentage point of point percentage point of improvement on on revenue as a margin improvement is already a significant value but the larger you go the higher the benefits will typically be um and it's uh, and that's why every pricing software uh, in the world um the commercial model of the pricing software providers is related or based on the revenue under management because the more more revenue you manage the higher the benefits and also the higher the value for the software, they would then be paid as a subscription.
1: So what advice would you give uh, entrepreneurs, say, you know, they're less than 100 billion, maybe say, you know, one to, to 10, 15, 20 million in pricing? And how do they get the, the intel to make sure that they're pricing right?
0: Well, I believe that that range that you just said right now, it's really it would be really difficult for them to adopt a professional pricing software because not of the way how, it, how the software works or what results it, it uh, delivers, but because implementation of pricing software is a bit of an effort, it takes some time and money and uh, and for very small businesses, this can be a burden. So I would recommend smaller, smaller sized businesses that didn't reach the level of complexity that requires professional pricing software. To still do their pricing, uh, you know, using spreadsheets or uh, or you know, working with some boutique, small consultancies, advising and helping them how to be better at defining their prices. But at some point of time, when uh, when again, either the complexity level reaches certain the complexity reaches certain level, or the company becomes big and with this also rather difficult to manage, pricing software is highly applicable and uh, and would uh, deliver higher value results.
1: That makes sense. So tell me a little bit about uh, the reach i mean you've expanded quite a bit um over the the last few years i mean the number of countries and employees and
0: yes sir i mean we are really on a very rapid expansion path mainly because of the attributes that i just told you before we, we have a, a really awesome product you know working really, really well for any industry and type of business high level of flexibility and we are fair to our customers which means we don't price our solutions you know as high as we only can we price it in a very fair way linked to the benefits that we deliver and uh, we just have an awesome team a fantastic culture people are walking the extra mile for our customers we are very customer centric and we mean it really we would really walk the extra mile for our customer and it's um and it's about how you resolve problems and how you deal with them not that you're trying to prevent them because you know problems in the software world are unpreventable it's really about how you deal with them right so those attributes did make us successful and uh, and we started in the DACH region DACH stands for the german speaking uh, you know central part of europe germany switzerland austria we are a german company from the nature from our from our roots and we started expanding geographically you know across europe and in 2015 we made a decision kind of forced by one of our customers recommending us to the mother company in US that we actually a good pricing software and potentially would be a good solution for them and they decided for us they selected us against all the established vendors in the US market so we decided to enter the US market this was the first time that we that we raised money and you know until 2015 16 actually we have been bootstrapping the company with with only our own uh, founders money and uh, unpaid work so for six years we've been working uh you know bootstrapping the company and then in 2015 decided to move to us enter the market and from them from there the explosion was just you know tremendous we we'll operating across the world we're having offices in europe um in us and in asia pacific we have customers using our software across the world and um and our growth growth rates um annual growth rates are very very impressive
1: that's fantastic! I love the the expansion to the the U.S. and you know well, really being, you might, being brought I love
0: it exactly. <laughs> I think you know it's many many companies are having you know this this promised land kind of thing, right? U.S. must be super flexible. It must be easy to do business with. You know, you can be from you know washing pl- plates in a restaurant to a billionaire and very quickly. It's it is it is like that. There, this is a country of incredible opportunity, and you know. Businesses are relative, but really well educated about the value of you know pricing solutions like ours. So you don't have to evangelize, you don't have to pitch. Definitely different uh, setup in Europe, but America also is full of surprises, especially for European startups. It's not as easy as you think to do business in America. Uh, you know all of this situation you set up. Every state has different rules, right? You know the the tax system is relatively complicated. Everything is very expensive. You for everything what you do, you need a lawyer, and those lawyers charge tremendous <laughs> uh, you know, rates. Yes, and then you have the situation that in America you can be sued by a competitor without any any evidence, right? You know, purely based on on information and belief, and just to make your life difficult. And when you're entering the the market with something really cool and something highly disruptive, um, you know the reaction from your competition is. At the beginning, kind of like they ignore you, they laugh at you. Then they start recognizing you as soon as you start, you know, growing and building the business and making some traction, then they start being aware and scared of you, then they sue you, right? Or try to buy you. And then you have to get over all of those challenges. And if you get all get through it and you come stronger at the other end, that's the real proof for the value of your product, your company, your culture, your people. And when you get through all of those challenges and only then you can say, okay, I arrived, I landed in the US. And if the expansion continues, I really can tell you that uh, this is very, very good for any business because America is a catalyst of business, especially in software. And being successful in America may, will make you at some point, at any point of time later, successful also anywhere in the world.
1: Yeah, oh, That's great. 100 uh, percent and that actually did happen that's not just a theoretical thing when you came to the u.s when I mean, competitors tried to get you out specifically by suing you
0: absolutely um you know one of our competitors, that's crazy yeah, it is crazy and they took their, their chances because we you know two founders out of the three founders actually came from this company we have our history we've been working there and um and we hired you know some people from them because you know, they were not doing really great Many good people were leaving over time. And they saw the chance to make a claim that, you know, with all these things having history and and hiring the people, we are just bad people. We steal, we misappropriate, we you know, uh we we do all all the bad things that you can imagine, right? Misusing their patents or breaking rules and you know, stealing their IP and whatever, right? So they, they took a chance and and without a single piece of evidence, they sued us. On that basis and made our life real hell. Like right? we've been going through 18 months of pain and we managed to defend ourselves. You know, all of the claims that they made have been showing more and more that they are absolutely baseless. And at the end of the day, we reached a settlement that was without prejudice and we cannot be sued on any, on this basis anytime in the future. So a great success for us. I, it was my life was very difficult. I can tell you. And the company went through a lot of, uh, you know, pain. But it was a good pain. It, it made us stronger. We came out stronger. We established our presence in America. We continued growing. We've been closing business under the lawsuit where there was an IP dispute. Can you imagine, you know, large American company buying a software from a, from a small European startup that is being sued on IP violation. So it was not easy to sell. It was not easy to convince, but I think our very unique to culture and our very unique approach to how we treat our customers. And how we present ourselves and how people like working with us and how, how trustworthy we are made us, uh, you know, get through this phase, made us survive this and made us stronger at the end at, at the other end.
1: That's a great outcome to the story. It's a long road, but you're, you're, you're kind of used to that. I mean, you haven't always had this kind of success uh, as an entrepreneur. I mean, you, you started out, you know, w- was a little bit rocky and, and, you know, it's a great success story now.
0: Well, thank you very much. Appreciate uh, you saying this. And yes, you know every start is uh, is rough, and uh, you just have to have a lot of persistence and passion about what you're doing and believe. We've been told by many people when we decided to to start the company that we are stupid. Like you, you are in your 40s. It's the last chance to get a big paycheck job, right? You should you know look for a good job rather than starting a business. You have kids which are teenagers, they're going to go to college very soon. You have an apartment with a mortgage on it. And you starting a business in the in the industry that is already occupied by so many different players, especially in America, just like you, stupid. And I you know, said, so look, you say whatever you want. I saw my opportunity. You know, there was a space, there was so much space for disruption because of the things I mentioned before, nothing in cloud, nothing SaaS, everything proprietary, everything black box, super inflexible, very expensive. All of these things. I said this, this can't, this can be broken, and we can break into this, uh, into this industry, and we did. And yes, the beginning was, you know, you don't have any expenses. You sleep in the same bed with your fellow co-founder on the way to the customer meeting, right? And uh, and you travel around the world in in the car, driving hundreds of thousands of kilometers in one go because you can't afford flying. You're saving everywhere you can, but you have so much energy and you have so much <laughs> passion. And when you attract the right people. And start creating a great culture. No pain can really kill the spirit, right? You just continue going through it and you, you, you face the challenges as they appear. And when you have the right approach, being flexible, agile, you know, and you, you, you're not aversive to risk and you take decisions quickly and you, you encourage people to fail and learn from it, reverse and do better next time. That is what which creates a spirit that is you cannot you cannot replace with anything else. And coming from the corporate world, jumping into a startup and you know, kind of shaping the future of your own company, it's so energizing and so fulfilling that I would recommend everybody to at least once in a, in, in their lifetime to start a company, no matter how hard it's gonna be at the
1: beginning. Now, one common theme that I, I keep hearing, and we haven't actually used the word, I don't think, is resilience. And so, what were what role has resilience played in in your success?
0: Well, it definitely is an important word, uh, but you have to earn it. You have to build it, right? You have to create the resilience because if you have if you have product that is not adding value to your customers, is not differentiated, and it's kind of like one of many. Right? And you get into trouble, and you're not sticky. You don't develop stickiness with your customers. You not you will not be resilient to any changes or challenges in the market, right? And the same applies to your people. If you don't create strong culture, which magnetize people to to stay with the company, the, the secret sauce, right? That keep this show together, no matter how hard life is. That that organization will be resilient to to challenges coming from outside and also from inside, and you are able to to get through it. So I think that. Creating a strong culture, uh, having right people in place, hiring the people who are better than you and creating a working environment in them. They are feel being respected. You know, they, they feel like you listen to them. You, you value their opinions and you allow them, you even encourage them to make their own decisions and take responsibility. And if they fail, so be it. Right. As long as the damage is not, you know, monumental and, and put the company in jeopardy, just learn from it and move on and i think that is that is the key So that's the secret to resilience having a great robust you know value-adding differentiated product and having great culture and if you have those two ingredients then nothing can break you
1: that's fantastic we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to ask martin about that culture and the ways that he has used it to build a fantastic company right after this thank you
0: ever feel like you're in uncharted waters? Wish there was a checklist or clear path to follow for your stage of growth. We are the one champion leadership group helps SaaS founders scale from one million to $10 million to 20 million and beyond. Only one in 40,000 companies grows to 10 million in revenue. The rest stay small or die along the trail. Building a business is treacherous if you go alone instead. Travel with experienced SaaS founders and expert guides who help chart your course to consistent results and provide support every step of the way. Create your free growth map today at ChampionLeadership.com.
1: Welcome back to SaaS Fuel. My guest today, Marcin Chacon from PriceFX. And Marcin, we were talking a little bit about culture, and that's come up a couple of times. Do you have a specific formula or way that you've if put together and created the culture of Price FX? That has really differentiated you in the marketplace
0: i i believe so i'm not sure if i found a secret formula to this because there's many other great leaders in the world who are creating cultures that are just amazing and uh, and keeping people together and and letting the companies thrive and achieve things that are sometimes unimaginable so i'm just one of one of those guys on a very small scale but yes i believe that we managed to create a great culture in price effects and uh I was always, you know, from my study, you know, from my studies of economics and business administration and reading the books from Peter Drucker and kind of, you know, hearing to his incredible, you know, way how he describes how culture is important and how culture really eats strategy for breakfast um, and having, you know, a lot of this sensitivity and human touch that I kind of brought up from my childhood and kind of a little bit troubled, uh, you know, young, young, uh, young hood or however you call it, right? You know, the, the times of end of teenager time and, you know, early twenties. Um, I've learned a lot in my life that people matter and people, uh, you know, have, we have to respect, uh, build respect for everybody. Also those who are less fortunate in life than you are and everybody has a story, right? And those stories are great, and they matter, right? And there is a reason for everything that people do, and you have to see the good in people. And when you treat them with the with the right level of respect, and you encourage them, and you embrace them, and you you kind of make them feel important, and that who they are, no matter what they do, they they matter, right? They can really walk on water, right? That's how I you say it in English, right? I didn't want to say walk up on fire, walk on water, <laughs> and and but over time, way- look. Either way, right? So, <laughs> yeah. and, and over time, I, I developed a bit of kind of, you know, the, the three P's and three F's of business and culture, which I sort of follow. And and I believe that, you know, the three F's of culture for me is really the fast, flexible, and friendly, which became, uh, you know, uh, you can see it on our homepage. Uh, you, we talk about this everywhere we can. Uh, you know, the, the, the fast aspect of culture drives simplicity and agility. And people like when things are easy to understand when processes are not overcomplicated, when things can be executed in the way that everybody understands their place in the process, their place in the company and their contribution. And when they feel like we, they are part of something very agile, something that can move quickly. And if they voice something it's, they're going to be listened and, and follow through about this and not just being one little part of a, uh, of a big corporate, uh, you know, uh, structure. That that is something that people appreciate and, and like. And if you create this environment, then people will move fast and moving fast in business is very, very important. You need to be flexible, um, in the way how you treat people, how they treat others, you know, allowing them to, to make their own decisions and empower them, encourage them. And as I said before, you know, allow them to fail, learn and improve and, you know, just being generally friendly. There is no reason for being unfriendly I, I don't believe in this culture of fear that some that some high-performing organizations are creating and kind of pushing people to the limits because they fear either their boss or the the opportunity they might lose their job or they will be punished or they not make a career or whatever right and they are in this constant you know performance cycle to fulfill expectations and pressures I don't believe in this. I think that people need space and they need to be appreciated and they need to be praised. And, uh, and I think that that, all of those things, all of those ingredients create great culture and that's the culture that we created at PriceFX. And I believe that's one of the reasons why we are so successful.
1: What are some ways that you've engaged employees or, or built relationships with them?
0: Well, I'm one of the traveling CEOs, right? I like to be in the field and not only spending time with our customers and prospects and partners, but especially with people from our team. We are in the meantime, over 500 people. I stopped counting because the the numbers just goes on off <laughs> on and on. And you just kind of like, every time you say something, somebody corrects you know, this is not true. We actually already 520. So I'm just like, we are over 500. And as I said, we spread ar- around the world. We have three offices in Czech Republic. One of them in Prague is our main office, the, the largest office in the world. Uh, we have large office in Chicago from where we manage the America's business. We have an office in Brisbane where we, from where we manage the, the, the business in APAC. And we have people also in Vietnam and in India. So spread around the world. And I value a lot the personal interactions with these people. I, as I said, I travel a lot. I do. Minimum once a year, ideally twice a year. I'm going on the so-called marching goes around the world or red shoes go around the world tour because I'm wearing red shoes every day for like nine years now. This is another story. Maybe we will (laughs) talk about this another time. But yes, this is my signature. I'm wearing red shoes, and you know, uh, my tour is called marching goes around the world. I'm sorry, red shoes go around the world, and uh, and I'm writing about this also every week. Every Sunday, I write an email to the whole company. Which is called that the subject line is righteous goes around the world, and I'm writing what's happening, who I'm meeting with, what happened in the company, what happened on my travel or whatever I encounter, and I do this for three and a half years right now, every single sunday and uh and this kind of thing, meeting people, spending time with them, talking to them, informing them about what's going on in the company, fully transparently sharing every piece of data that we would uh that we have in terms of our revenue profitability our performance you know everything is shared and communicated to everybody on the on a regular basis it creates you know a good vibe in the company and uh, takes a lot of effort because traveling nowadays is not easy especially the airports they are really a nightmare but i'm just right now in the middle of my world tour so this is week seven of my travel which took me already around the world and i'm finishing this now in in europe so i am in our currently in our office in harris Kralove, in czech republic and i'm i'm going to Strava, which is another office we'll go to warsaw then we'll go to paris and london and that's going to be the end of my tour which is taking me eight weeks
1: i'm sure employees really appreciate that interaction you actually spending time and, and getting to to know you
0: that's what they're telling me. I hope they don't yeah. lie into my face uh, <laughs> because I'm right in their face. I'm uh, I'm constantly in their offices and spending time with them. We just going after this recording, we're going together for dinner. We went biking today morning. So we, we went for 40 kilometers bike tour here with the people who are, you know, enjoying biking um, and it was great. It was a great experience. You know, yesterday, no, two days ago, Monday, I, I cooked in, in Prague office. For our partners, we've been running partners' Uh We invited key implementation partners to our main office, and I decided instead of getting them to the restaurant, I decided to cook for them. And we had a welcome reception with with a soup and and beef tartare that I, that I cooked and prepared. And you know, and Seems while good. I'm doing this, we also invited our people, everybody who was in the office could come downstairs and participate in this welcome reception and enjoy the food. Hopefully they enjoyed it. And uh, they, they tell me, <laughs> they enjoyed, you know, what would they tell me that, that I'm sucked as a cook, you know, when I'm a CEO, but I hope they are, they are honest with me.
1: That's great. And and I love that you sh- you share that. I mean, that's a passion of yours cooking and you're able to share that with the, the team and partners and and make that part of the overall experience.
0: Absolutely. Um, I, and I really hope that they appreciate it. I am a hobby cook, so I enjoy this, but there's also, other, and this is one of the things that helps me switch off and relax, right? You know, this job can be very demanding. It can be very stressful. It is also, you know, very time consuming and you need something to escape. And, uh, and I'm looking for those, for those pathways to escape. One of them is cooking, you know, in private life, but also for the people in our company. And I tried cooking in almost every office where we have the opportunity to do this. I love that and the other thing is like my big uh passion and and hobby is interior design so i designed all of our offices at least initially you know the initial design for the office when we went then later on for expansion we were kind of following the the initial design so i was not as deeply engaged maybe in those expansion projects but but the office that we have um the key offices in the world that we have were designed by me i am designing currently a house that i would like to build so um you know it's You know, I'm designing, designing the interior of our apartment. So my wife is completely disconnected. She's like, Oh, whatever you do it. You know what you're doing. You like it. It's going to be fine. You know, I like your style. So those are the things that I, that I do. I recommend every leader who is under pressure and who is challenged, you know, day by day by, by business demanding from him to find escape paths, to find something that you can retreat and you can, you know, get, you can switch off. And, and I have those and and the other thing is you, your family, right? This is your, this is, this is your backbone. You know, if you don't have a family, you don't have the place to return back uh, and switch off and have somebody to talk to. You will have real issues being a successful CEO because it's a very lonely job, right? People don't understand the fact that being a CEO is sometimes the loneliest job in the company. You know, you, you were dealing with a lot of things you cannot share with others. Many people are kind of not necessarily always open sharing their problems with you because you are the CEO. You have to go to them and embrace them and, uh, and, and ask them. And so it's important that once in a while you can, you can have somebody to, to discuss pretty much everything what's on your heart and that's your family.
1: Yes. So important having that, uh, those, those relationships. Well, yeah. So I have to ask, where did the red shoes come from? Well, the red shoes come from a
0: failure, that uh, I produced in the early days of the company, my co-founder Martin and me, Martin, so two M and M's, the people are calling us M and M's. Love it. We were we were driving in the early days of the company around Europe and trying to acquire business, and um, and we were traveling by car because we couldn't afford flying, so we were hundreds of kilometers, you know, driving across, around Europe, and you know this Formula One. Puma shoes, you know, which, you know, know, are really red. Um, I don't know if you know them. I know them because I I I bought me these shoes for the long distance driving because they are very comfortable for driving. And we were at those days, we were still wearing suit and tie. So we were not casual dressed like I am (laughs) right now. I dropped it in the meantime, but then we were, you know, elegant. Sure. And on that particular trip, I forgot to take my dress shoes. And the only shoes I had was those Formula One red driving sneakers from Puma. And you have, to, you have to go to the meeting with, you know, suit and tie and those shoes. And it became, I was very nervous, but it became a great icebreaker. And we actually closed this deal. And uh, And I said, okay, that worked out. From day, from now on, I'm wearing only red shoes. And I, I pulled it through nine years, no matter if rain, snow, if I'm skiing or hiking or biking, whatever I do, always red shoes. And uh, it's pretty freaky, but it, it works.
1: I like that. Yeah, I can't imagine walking into a meeting like that. But I guess you know, if you own it, and you just make that part of it and part of your your pitch, part of your identity, then then it works.
0: Yes, correct, and it worked. It was yeah. a, it was a good experience, and uh, and since then, I kept doing this every day.
1: That is a, a great story. Thank you. Like that. So I mean, when I see you, I'm definitely going to be making sure you're wearing your red shoes.
0: That's right. I mean, uh, <laughs> I can I could show you this right now. I don't know. Are you recording? video
1: yes yes so uh yeah. here we go oh there we go love it red <laughs> shoes <laughs> around the world yes sir that's great well what what advice would you give uh, other entrepreneurs in uh, early stage i mean you've had great success here maybe a little bit uh, you know earlier stage in, in their business building to to get to where you are
0: yeah. So I'm definitely going to follow the, the approach that I just mentioned before, the three piece of business. I believe that you have to have a great product. Um, you know, whatever the product does, right? It has to deliver value and has to be differentiated. That is the foundation of, of your success. If you only me to or follow strategy and you're not paying enough attention to what your product really does and how differentiated it is, you're not going to be successful. Um, that is my opinion. And, uh, you know, that's what I've learned throughout my career. The second P is people. Uh, you need to surround yourself with the greatest possible people. Uh, no matter how much they cost, no matter how much how difficult it is to get them, you have to be convincing, and you have to strive to hire people who are best better than you. Don't be afraid that they're going to challenge you because they will not. They will they will value the great working environment that you created, and if you give them the right space to to perform, they will perform at unimaginable levels. So the, this is the, the, the second piece. And the third one is the passion, be passionate about your doing, um, you know, you people see this, uh, when you're passionate, you're positive, you emanate certain aura and people like following passionate, positive leaders. It's just a fact. And, um, and if you, if you, if you show this passion in everything that you do, This is going to trickle down through the whole organization and, uh, and it's going to be, you know, the third base or foundation of successful business. And the last, you know, P that I sort of adding to this, the three plus P is persistence. right? Don't give up easily, be persistent because life is hard. Business is unpredictable. Plans never come the way you believe they will, especially when you start up, you always go different avenue that you originally uh, believed. And you have to be flexible to re- react to this, but also you have to be persistent in your vision and, uh, and in what you're creating and believing that what you're creating makes sense. And, and when, when you're passionate in the process, you're probably going to succeed.
1: That's great advice. Where can listeners find out more about you and about effects online?
0: Well, you, definitely about me. Maybe one day when you read my book, which I'm intending to, to, uh, to write because I have um, a pretty colorful life. From the childhood until right now, it's not existing yet. But maybe one day, you can find out about us on our homepage. We are following a very unique marketing strategy that our awesome CMO Patrick Moorhead established a couple of years ago. That is called Taya. Taya, Taya means "they ask, you answer," um, which you know believes in in the fact that people when making uh, buying decisions, they um, they they go. And research today, in today's world, almost 70% of the information they research prior to engaging with the company where they want to buy right. So content is really important, the way how you're presenting it, the way how people can consume content. and uh, And the content has to be related not to help you selling, but help you creating your position in the market as a thought leader, as a trusted partner, as an advisor. And that's why there's a lot of content out there on social media and our homepage that follow this approach, the Taya approach that we produce. And anybody who wants to get educated about pricing, value of pricing, how we compare ourselves to our competition, where we openly talk about our weaknesses, right? Where we, where we talking about how much it costs to implement pricing software, which nobody talks about. So we are like an open book of, of pricing software. And that's where you can find a lot of information about us. So please go visit our homepage, go to the section where we're you know, producing all the content articles, great stuff, get educated. And if you want to know about me, just give me a call. As I said, I'm traveling CEO, maybe I'll, I will visit you.
1: <laughs> well, I can't wait to read your book when it comes out. <laughs> I, I, know, I know a little bit of the, the story and it's, it's just a great story where you came from you. and, and you know, building the, the company and, and where you are today great Thank great you. story a lot of twists and turns
0: oh yes definitely <laughs> i mean it's it's a little bit of a of this uh, you know self made man uh, kind of thing you know yeah. when you are when you spend some portion of your life being homeless in your early days and you have to go through this and figure out you know your way uh, through life on your own and in the process you learn about respect and and you know how to treat people and how important it is to sometimes take risk and being agile that forms you for the future and 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 hopefully makes you a better person. And then you, you have to go and, and, and study on your own and uh, pay for your own, you know, education and so you don't get any help in the process that's make you resilient, right? Makes you passionate about you doing and you believe in the quality of what you can achieve and what you can accomplish and you just not keep up easily. So yes, life. Young days can form you a lot. And I had the privilege that uh, I went through a very poor childhood and challenging times in my early uh, years, you know, including being homeless for nine months and, uh, and traveling around Europe and trying to get some place to stay, uh, which fortunately happened. So I, I, I consider myself very, very fortunate. Um, but yeah, that's a, and then obviously the whole business thing and, you know, the start, the starting of the company, the lawsuit, the things, how I've been traveling around the world. So I guess there was something
1: to yes, write there about is. in my book, Yes, hope. there is. Well, that's great. We'll make sure and link everything in the show notes and uh, of course, to the, the price FX website. And, uh, you know, my big takeaway is loving the F words. You get fast, flexible, and friendly. And I think that is a great way to build culture. You're really inspired by what you built at Price FX, and solving a great problem at the same time.
0: Appreciate this uh, from you, Jeff. Thank you very much for these kind words. And uh, we we just added a fair to our three F words, which is only considered ah. internally, and we we having this uh, in our code of conduct. So our code of conduct is built around the fourth F word that is not advertised on the homepage. It's an internal one, and this is the fair. So. In theory, the three plus.
1: <laughs> That's great. I like that. Right. Well, thank you, Martin. It's been a great conversation.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And uh, anytime in the future, I'm recurring,
1: recurring CEO. Yes, there we go. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Martin for coming on the show and sharing your journey and insights. Now, I just love the idea of pricing to the people. This is the kind of opportunity I mentioned in the opening segment. Large, bloated, cumbersome solutions are being replaced by faster, agile, friendlier options that support the way people actually work. Learn more about Marching, the Red Shoes Around the World Tour, and PriceFX at PriceFX.com. It's pricing software made simple. As always, all links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sassfuel.com. While you're there, please subscribe and follow us on your favorite platform. Everyone who subscribes this week, Marchin will personally cook for you in your office. As long as you work for FX in one of their offices. Isn't that awesome? It's such a great culture that they have there. It's amazing that a CEO would go in and do that uh, for his people. I think that's just fantastic. Join us Thursday on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series for a conversation with Becca Kay, co-founder and COO of Dingus and Zazzy. You heard that right, Dingus and Zazzy. They're an unlimited marketing subscription that companies can hire for less than the cost of a full-time employee. And our SaaS founder next week is Nathan Miller founder and CEO of Rentech Direct, a landlord, real estate investor, and entrepreneur whose SaaS started as a passion project to solve a problem that he had and grew to be the third largest project management solution in the country. Be sure to check it out. Becca on Thursday, Nathan next Tuesday, and until then, enjoy the journey.
0: Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder, ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines.